It's the PR Week Podcast in partnership with Padilla. Hi, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddlesite, Editorial Director of Custom at PR Week. It's podcast time again. Some of my favorite times in my entire tenure here at PR Week. We are going to be talking about mastering the organizational overhaul. Overhaul is a big word, but I really want to clarify up front that we're talking about major ones and minor ones. There can be minor overhauls, and you're going to understand that by the time this podcast is over. The permanent impact of COVID-19 on our workplace realities, not to mention our personal lives, economic uncertainties, the crucial need to be optimally efficient. With all these factors, PR agencies and in-house departments alike are asking themselves, are the processes, structures, roles, and ways of working still successful, or are they holding us back? In some cases, the answers will lead to total or close to total transformations. In other cases, there are more akin to tweaks, albeit crucial ones. Still for others, it's somewhere in between. But all of these scenarios have two things in common. First, they're all scary propositions. You have more than your hands full just operating a business or a department, counseling clients and or colleagues, being the voices of your brands, etc. Who has time to take a step back to even consider all of this? Well, for the sake of your long-term, even short-term prospects, that's not the right question. The right questions include, where do I start? How do I properly evaluate my current situation to know what I really need to accomplish? I said there were two things in common. Here's the second. This podcast is a great first step in beginning to go for a successful organizational overhaul that can transform your work to be more strategic and effective now and into the future. Is that a bold statement? It is, but I feel supremely confident in making it. Why? Because I have a secret weapon. Tina Sharpentier is the EVP of Client Experience at Padilla. Now, Padilla is owned by Avenir Global, which is based in Montreal. So if you want to say her surname as Sharpentier, I think she would appreciate that. But I think it's Sharpentier, actually. So either one is fine. She's brilliant no matter what you call her. Now, I've been very fortunate to have some conversations with Tina ahead of today's podcast. And let me tell you, she has some amazing insights and advice to share with you on our topic today. I know you're all going to benefit so much from listening to her. Tina, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to be here. However you pronounce my last name, I'm excited either way. I am likely to call you Tina throughout this podcast, so um, everyone out there can just practice Charpentier, (laughs) Charpentier. And by the way, do not try to pronounce my last name. You'll hurt yourself, so don't do that. (laughs) Now, when I have a guest as brilliant as Tina, despite my somewhat long introduction there, my job is to step out of the way and let let her counsel. And I'm going to do that. But for the sake of keeping this orderly, I am going to pose some questions to Tina so that we can sort of have an organized conversation about this really, really crucial topic. And I want to start here. The organizational overhaul process today cannot be the same one that was used in prior years because we are living and operating businesses in unprecedented times. In the past, the first step most would take in this scenario is to look at their organizational chart and evaluate. But I know from prior conversations we've had, Tina, You don't necessarily feel this is the right way to go about it. So please explain why you feel that way. And more importantly, what are the correct first initial steps needed or the first questions that need to be asked, if you want to look at it that way, to get the overhaul started right? Yeah. Well, uh, let me tell you, I think this is such a timely topic because certainly over the years, um, we've had plenty of clients come to us here and there and say, hey, could you do some benchmarking for us and take a look at how some 
peer organizations have organized their communications departments? Or can you give us a little bit of counsel on how we might improve over here or make a change over there? But in the last 24 months, I can't tell you how many clients from smaller startups to multinational organizations have come to us and said, like, we're in the middle of this. Um, we've been kind of shuffling people around during COVID, uh, even the great resignation, right? Maybe there were a lot of open positions that needed to be filled. So you're kind of like moving people around and it is, it tends to be the most common inclination of people saying, I want to take us back and look at things is to say, well, let's, let's grab the org chart, put some post-its on it, move some things around. But really what you're doing, if that's the first step, is you are putting structure before strategy. Um, and that's where it's really important to take that step back and assess where you are and where you would like to be, where you need to be. So putting that conversation first before figuring out, do we have the right people in the right places or can we move them around? Um, so some of those questions you can ask yourself as you're assessing. Um, and maybe things have worked. Maybe things worked really well over the last few years. Um, but it's just time to take that step back and ask yourself, have expectations of my organization or my clients changed? How have they changed? Um, do we keep kind of running up against these gaps in our capabilities or in our talent or what we're offering or our process or how we're working with others? Are there unmet needs? Do we keep getting questions for, hey, can you help me with, or, or do you know how to do fill in the blank? And we're not quite sure where to start. So those are those unmet needs. And then, so that's kind of like current situation, right? And then mm -hmm. what is it that it's going to take to propel your business or your clients truly propel them forward over the next three to five years. Um, you know, and sometimes it's moving in a more modern direction and sometimes it's moving in a direction from where you are now to where you wish you could be. So doing like a, like a really simple from and to exercise can help. So, you know, do you maybe like today, despite all of your best efforts and, and ways of working, you're just kind of sitting in this transactional request fulfillment, swatting away the, the, you know, the projects that you, that, that you don't have time to work on, but trying to keep those clients internal or external happy. Do you want to move from that to something that's more of a strategic partnership? Of course you do. Like everybody does. Right. But mm -hmm. like, how do you get there? Do you want to move from a more fragmented planning process that's focused by business units or focused by, by client function to something that's more integrated? So kind of laying that out and saying like, here's honestly, here's where we're at now. And here's where I wish, or we wish we could be. And that's really the first step well before you get to that org chart. Terrific, Tina. I really, really appreciate that. And all of you out there already see the thought that Tina has brought to this and Padilla has brought to this. I know she's counseled a lot of clients on this very, very scenario. Now we're going to get a little bit more into the tactics of doing this. Now, though it's not always easy, it's very hard to be totally objective about your own house and what is really required to overall it effectively or transform it effectively. If that's a slightly less scary word, <laughs> this is where outside counsel can be super helpful only, of course, if you're willing to accept some hard advice. So when it comes to such outside counsel on matters pertaining to how you overhaul your company or department, 
Who are the best people to really seek such counsel from? And are there any broader tips, Tina, that people can abide by when it comes to the external counsel they should and perhaps shouldn't heed? And I kind of do want to emphasize that shouldn't heed part because you know what? You are seeking outside counsel to help with your transformation, your overall, and that's very probably a very, very good idea. But there's still outside counsel. There's still going to be things that you know better than they do, even if you don't know you know it better than they do. So from all of those things, Tina, my question, I tend to ask long questions, which is probably a personal overhaul I should work on. But I, but before, fortunately, you and I spoke about this before. So I think you know where I'm going here. So Tina, let me shut up now and let you answer that. Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. You know, you know, your organization and you can understand it in the best way where it gets, where it gets difficult is sometimes trying to gauge like, okay, but am I truly being objective? Am I really seeing this for what it is? So, so going out and getting inputs from external sources and kind of throwing it all in the hopper and shaking it out right through the lens of what you know to be true is a good way to kind of get that, that clear view of, of where you really are in Seeking those external points of view, there's a couple places you can look. I mean, one is talk to your clients. Um, mm. You know, if you work within an organization, these are your internal clients. If you work at an agency, these are your clients. Um, doing things like you may have an annual, you know, some kind of survey in place, and that's fine. Um, and that will get you the basics, but this might be worthy of having a one-off, more in-depth kind of survey. Um you can gain some real insights on what it's like to work with your team, what they think about the talent that's on board, what's on their wish list. If there's work that falls short of expectations, we were, we did this with one client um, of ours who did some internal surveying of their clients um, and found that a really simple thing was causing the internal clients to view the communications department kind of, I would say maybe unfairly poorly. And it was, um, there was a tendency for the internal comms department to want to keep their internal clients in the loop. And so they were sending things off that sometimes weren't, I'll just say air quotes, client ready. So Mm -hmm. there might be typos, there might be uh, misformatted bullets, like the really basic stuff, right? And even if they sent the note that said, hey, internal client, haven't proofed this yet, but wanted to give you an early look. That was kind of like whittling away at that trust that the comms department was trying to build. Never would have really known that because that wasn't anything that the internal clients were, you know, banging down the door saying, hey, guys, your typos. Um, So uh, it can be really simple insights that you gain or more significant ones, right? Like, like we don't think we have the senior strategist or senior um, counsel to the right level that we think we need. Well, there's a talent gap, right? So ask your clients for their perspective. Talk to peers. Um, This has been really helpful uh, for, I would say, our own agency at Padilla, and and we've done it for others as well. Find friends at other agencies or who are sitting within communications departments um, in-house. Find out what's working for them and what isn't. Um, For example, I've had some conversations recently with a friend who leads a small, mid-sized Midwestern agency, and they are looking to do a complete transformation of the way that their teams are organized. And 
we've had some really good conversations about the challenges that she's run up against because that team is so entrenched and so, you know, kind of in their ways. And so she'll call and be like, am I being unreasonable to think that we should do this? Or what do you think about this? So, you know, I've, I've been that for her. I know, um, Padilla at times has brought in others from other agencies to kind of do the same for us to take a look and say, you know, for example, um, uh, I'm thinking some number of years ago, we brought in uh, a number of different folks to help kind of guide us on how to expand and propel our insights and strategy function and take it to a new level. And we had some really great insight from just, you know, kind of friends and peers. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, I have to say, uh, you can bring in an agency. And and, and we've been doing this, as I mentioned earlier, um, quite a bit, this work with different kinds of clients of all sizes coming in and whether it's just sort of giving them some basic counsel or some ideas and some learnings that we've picked up along the way from working with others to helping them do kind of the the soup to nuts approach, you know, helping them shape that strategy that helps them figure out everything from structure to infrastructure, um, helping them through the change management. That's a huge piece of it. The change management necessary to make the transformation of success and that change management piece I mean, even for the less um, dramatic overhauls, more of the tweaks, as you talked about earlier, Gideon, like mm-hmm. th- that change management piece can really throw a wrench into sometimes what you think are the easiest plans. So important to think about that as well. First of all, I mean, I think underpinning everything you just said, and this is crucial, is you really, really have to be, I hope this is the right term, an open book here, and willing to accept the harshest of, of criticisms, I guess, for lack of a better word, because, you know, change is not easy no matter what. And you have to be willing to realize your weaknesses and you can't, you can't make any changes until you start there. And, um, it's always, you know, and of course it's always really, really nice to hear agencies helping other agencies. And I'm not surprised that an agency that is headquartered in Minnesota would feel that way because, you know, the whole Minnesota nice thing, it's not just a state. It's not just, it's not just a phrase. It's really true. People up there are really, really nice. So I could completely see how agencies help other agencies. So that's really, really cool. So thank yeah. you for that. We're going to move on to talent, of course, and we've obviously touched on it a little bit too, but talent is a crucial factor. And it's perhaps the most crucial really to an organizational overhaul. And yes, sometimes letting people go is part of the solution. Oftentimes though, you have the right people inside your organization, but they are not in the best positions to maximize their talents, either for their own benefit as well as the organization. How do you make such evaluations, Tina? And once made, how do you go about instituting them the most seamless way? Yeah. So from a tactical standpoint, I mean, this is where the org chart comes into play, right? So mm-hmm. you, you've, you've done the assessment. You have your insights in hand, you kind of shaped a strategy for what you're working toward and what that model might look like. So then you take a look at the talent that you have um, and mapping that talent, the talent that's needed to the talent that you have on board. Um, So there's a lot of role definition that needs to happen here. Like what are these roles in the new org design and what kind of knowledge, expertise, skills, especially soft skills are needed to make this work. And then you can take a look at what you have. Now, sometimes you're going to find 
hey, I've got I've got an abundance of people who can fit in this one particular role. And maybe you have multiple of those roles available, right? Which is great. Um, you might find other roles where you're like, well, this person kind of fits that, but they're not quite there yet, or we don't have anybody to fit that role. So that's where it really becomes clear how you can start to take the talent that you have and, and, and kind of put them into the roles um, that make sense for where you're headed. In some cases, and, and this has been an interesting um, outcome a lot of a lot of these exercises, and, and I'll kind of get back to the change management thing, you do this mapping and you'll have someone say, well, this feels or sounds a lot like what I was doing before, which ends up being like a yes and. So in a lot of cases, when you're mapping people back to roles, you'll say, well, this is a lot of what you were doing before. It's just the way that you are doing it, the way you're interacting with others around the people that you need to keep informed, the process that you use to get the work done. That's the part that changes um, in having that change management in place, you know, making sure you're providing people with the training and the resources so that they can do what they're good at in this sort of new world is really important. You know, you asked, how do you institute these changes seamlessly? I I don't know if complete <laughs> seamlessness is possible, but transitioning in that really open and transparent environment, lots of communication, offering the resources and support to help those people change and make a difference. I mean, certainly, there are instances, as you mentioned earlier, where sometimes this means there are some people that don't map to any of the future roles and that can, you know, cause some distress and stress within teams and working through to make sure people understand, you know, this is, uh, this is a really painful thing and no one wants to lose colleagues that they love and have worked with for a while, but from a professional standpoint, showing them what the future can look like for them and what it means for them and their growth can be really important in helping them kind of get over that. Thank you so much for that, Tina. Again, really, really sound advice. Now we're going to stick on the talent theme from a different angle. We just focus on current talent that already exists at your organization. Of course, part of an organizational overhaul will almost always include bringing in new talent. In a world where we are all being asked to do more with less, Making the right hire is even more crucial than ever, and it's always been crucial. Or perhaps better put, a wrong hire can be even more detrimental than it was in the past. So what are the keys to ensuring the talent that you bring in will be optimally helpful to making the overhaul work? Yeah. Well, you know, right out of the gate, simply having a fresh face join the team can be a huge benefit. So, you know, like we've been talking about, it's really easy in transformations like this for existing employees to kind of get stuck in this red zone. You know, they're just, they can't quite get past the last few hurdles in accepting change. They keep sort of reverting back to old behaviors and old ways of doing things. And sometimes having, you know, uh, a new kid on the block gets everyone else to see like, oh, I, I guess I can see how things work because I'm seeing this person who didn't have any experience with us before. I'm seeing how they're doing it or um, might be a little motivating, right? Here's this new person that's not tied to the old ways. They're doing things like the right way now. So maybe I ought to too. Um, so just 
the virtue of ha- by virtue of having a fresh face in the mix, sometimes that can make a huge difference. But you know, from a hiring standpoint, ensuring that that talent helps you move this transformation forward successfully. There's a, a, a resilience piece in there. I know there's been a ton of talk about resiliency and in the workforce and, you know, having that as a characteristic and how valuable that is. And the downside is you can't just like send someone in a room with a piece of paper and have them come out 30 minutes later and say like, look, I'm resilient. I took this test and it shows I am right. There's no really (laughs) great way to measure that or know it for sure. Um, you know, there are questions you can ask during the interview process that help you kind of start to see that picture. Um, you know, how do you deal with setbacks? Tell me about a time you had to deal with a major crisis or a situation when something didn't really go like you'd hoped and what did you do and how did you learn about it? Um, asking those very kind of situational questions can at least give you a glimpse into how Mm -hmm. this person can kind of roll with change, um, and contribute to that, to that transformation. No, no, that, that's great, Tina. And, you know, what I really, really love about this conversation, and it does sort of harken back to where I started it, a lot of the counsel that you're giving, you know, can be sort of taken in and of itself. Like, for example, the, the, last, the, last, the last segment we just had, even if you're not overhauling your organization, yeah. <laughs> it's about hiring. It's about talent. That is an element unto itself that is really, really important for everyone listening out there. So I'm really appreciative of this conversation because I think there's benefits beyond just the major overhauls that are the general theme of this. Now, one more question. Well, I guess it's kind of a two-parter actually, but um, much of the counsel that we've offered thus far is truly applicable no matter what kind of organization you work for, whether it's an agency or in-house. But I do think it's worth spending just a little bit of time focusing on specific advice for both scenarios. And Clearly, Tina, you are the person to offer it. So, um, I, I am, you know, you, I am going to ask you to, if, you know, maybe, maybe just one or two cents, if, if that's possible, what is one piece of advice specific to agencies that you'd offer to ensure that an organizational overall gets off to a strong start? Yeah. Well, I, I think what's, what's always fascinating to me. Um, and I think one of the big differences between doing what we do at an agency and doing what we do in house, when you're with an agency, you need to constantly stay a few steps ahead of the client, understand what they need before they they need it, before they even know they need it, introducing mm-hmm. them to new approaches and tools and having the right model and talent in place to deliver on that. When you're working mm-hmm. in-house, you're almost always the one who's a few steps ahead of everybody else, right? So mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to like pull them along with you. You're trying to create this more modern, strategic communications function and it's got a broad range of tools and approaches. And then you've got your internal clients like, okay, yeah, but where's my news release? (laughs) (laughs) And and how many of them are we going to have this year? Right? So I think, um, you know, I know you asked for what's different, but I'll say in both instances, that strong start requires communication at a level that is deeper and more frequent than you think you need to. Um, so you know, within your agency or your own in-house team, communicating early and often about the why, the why are we doing this and what it's going to mean for you is really important. And then the extra is when you're in-house, 
it's really important to figure out ways to bring along all the clients uh, because it's really easy to set up the best laid plans, right? And even if your mm -hmm. whole comms department is on board and your internal clients don't get it and your internal clients keep pushing you to kind of do what you always did, that can be a huge challenge. So, so communications in all directions. Now, the one thing that will never have to be overhauled or transformed is PR Week's podcast having amazing guests like Tina on them. <laughs> that's something we're never going to change. I'd also suggest that something else that shouldn't change is Padilla um, having Tina in the position that she's in because it's easy to see how she has helped both Padilla itself as well as a lot of its clients sort of go through some of these transformations. That just seems, you know what? That just seems like a better word than overhaul. I don't know. Maybe it's less scary, but that could just be me. But like I said, one thing I'm very, very grateful for is the time that you and I just spent together, Tina. I think this is really, really an interesting topic. And, you know, in some ways um, with the discipline of communications changing almost in line and in sync with how our overall world is changing, transformation is happening all the time. It might not be, it might not seem like an organizational overhaul, but in some ways, organizations are sort of overhauling themselves on a daily basis to some extent. So a lot of the counsel we spoke about today, I think, is really, really valuable. And I'm very, very happy we had the opportunity to share it with our audience today. And clearly, thank you to Tina Charpentier. I'm sorry. I just love saying <laughs> it that way. So I did it again. And I'm not French, obviously. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, by the way. Again, I want to thank Tina. I also want to thank Padilla, obviously, for supporting this. I want to thank you out there as well for tuning into this. I hope you got as much out of this podcast as you were hoping to. I want to wish all of you a great rest of your day, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you.